The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers for another year, you are here with us on Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers Radio Season 2 Debut. We're live. It's January 12, 2017. Welcome to the new year. So let's get started. What is the buzz on the street today? Well, I have a quote from Howard Dressner, who spent 13 years at Gartner as a research fellow and lead analyst for BI, and then he formed Dressner Advisory Services. Here's the quote. Gives you a clue about our topic today. The cloud does level the playing field. What are we talking about? Think big, work small. Think SME, small to mid-sized business. That's the clue here. So what are we talking about? Analytics. Let's look back over our shoulder a little bit of history. Analytics used to be too complex and too expensive for most small to mid-sized enterprises, SMEs, but alas, good news, good news, times have changed. And the cloud has made these tools much more affordable to deploy and easier to use. So... With cloud analytics, the SME decision makers now have the opportunity to use data and analytics just like their larger competitors. See, I'm tying it back to the Dresdner quote, the cloud does level the playing field. What can SMEs do with it? They can improve and create processes for driving business growth. So all I can say is ready, set, go, and have we got a great panel for you today. Coming back, well, they're all returning guests. Lorraine Maurice, Senior Director, Global Indirect Channel Marketing at SAP, is the sponsor of this series. I'm thrilled she's renewed for season two. She's on the panel today. Joining her is Steve Knapp, K-N-A-P-P, the founder of Knapp Communications, a content writer and a very smart guy. And rounding out the panel, Tara Mead, Director of Partner and SME Marketing at SAP, calling in from somewhere in the UK and we'll find out where. So let's get started with the opening quotes. Lorraine has picked a quote from Oscar Wilde, full name Oscar Fingal, O'Flaherty, Wills Wilde, 1854 to 1900 an Irish playwright, novelist, essayist, and poet. You may remember him for his novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray. We'll leave it at that. Here's the quote. Listen carefully. It is very sad that nowadays there is so little useless information. Lorraine, Happy New Year. How have you been? Bonnie, Happy New Year. I am fabulous. 2017 is off with a great start. Glad to be back. 
It sure is. Delighted you've got season two with me. Uh, I didn't have to twist your arm or, or pull any strings. You just said, yeah, we're coming back. We have so much to talk about, Lorraine. So let's start off with this amazing quote you sent us from Oscar Wilde. We're talking about cloud analytics, small businesses, and outlook for this coming year. So what would Oscar Wilde say you used his quote for what reason? I, he, I think he would say I used his quote because there's too much, too much content in the world. And which is completely probably opposite of what a marketer like me would uh, say or agree with. And that's why the quote stuck in my mind. I was in Ireland in Dublin this summer, and I I stumbled upon a a small Oscar Wilde exhibit in this little boutique shop. And I saw the quote, and I actually took a picture of it because being um, in marketing and thinking that content is king or knowing it is, I thought hmm, what does he mean? And I think he really means opposite of what I'm saying. But for me, it's everything is everywhere. There's Twitter, there's Facebook, there's Instagram. You know, there are blogs, and there's so much content. And is it all truly useful, and how do we make it useful? And how do we derive what is useful and not useful? And that ties back to analytics for me uh, because it really is important to understand you know, who your audience is, uh, what's important to your business, how your employees react, and understanding what's useful and not useful becomes key in that business environment. Other than that, I thought he was a, a unique and interesting individual, and again, it just caught my attention. Very, very appropriate. Thank you. I love it because that's why I said, Lorraine, before I read the quote, I said, listen up, pay attention. There's a little twist in here. I like that. So you have to say it with a smile. Thank you. And it's true. We just uh, finished talking to a panel a couple of hours ago on the Internet of Things with Game Changers, Lorraine, which started their fourth season with me. They've been with me for for almost four years. Yeah. And we talked about IoT predictions for this year. We talked about information, information. But interestingly enough, one of the bun mo words of wisdom from Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research was just because something's connected doesn't make it smart. And that goes to so little useless information. Well, maybe there is a lot of useless information. So there's a little bit of a a contradiction or a conundrum there. Thank you, Lorraine. Welcome back and delighted to speak with you. And now let's welcome our... uh, Yes, go to interrupt. It's an interesting tidbit. Maribel Lopez and I go way back to my days with AT&T, and uh, we brought her in as an analyst to help us with a, a small and medium business project. So I'm glad to see that she continues to be focused on the Internet of Things and how it's changing the world and the transformation of communications from our relationship 15 years ago to what's happening today. Very interesting. Look- you just reinforced my belief, and it's a small, small world. <laughs> Not Disney World. It's a small world, after all. I didn't know if anybody on this call even knew Maribel, and I guess her name precedes her. Very, very glad to know that. Check out uh, everyone, hashtag SAP Radio. I've been tweeting madly all day, madly and delightedly at the, the words of wisdom, what I call the bun mo, good words from our panelists. And there are several quotes I captured from Maribel. So take a look. And her handle is M-A-R-I-B-E-L-L-O-P-E-Z. Take a look. Lorraine, I think you might want to retweet a couple of them and say hi to her. Oh, I'm delighted. Now let's welcome our second panelist, welcoming back Steve Knapp, founder of Knapp Communications. And he has sent us another words of wisdom from Isaac Asimov, who lived from 1920 to 1992, an American author and professor of biochemistry at Boston University, known for his works of science fiction and popular science. Here's a 
tidbit, a trivia about Asimov. He wrote or edited more than 500 books. That's right. I said 500. So everybody get busy after the show. And an estimated 90,000 letters and postcards. His books have been published in nine of the 10 major categories of the Dewey Decimal Classification. Wow. So here's the quote Steve has selected from Mr. Asimov. No sensible decision can be made any longer without taking into account not only the world as it is, but the world as it will be. There's a nice New Year's future-looking quote. Steve Knapp, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, Bonnie. I'm doing really well. I, uh, I thought that was a good quote, given the topic we were trying to cover today, because we're discussing analytics, and a, and a piece of that analytics pie has to do with predictive analytics. And I think that for a lot of businesses, what they do is they kind of focus on what they did the last quarter or in the last year. And when it comes to the future, the decisions get to be much more uh, gut-driven rather than data-driven. And what the cloud means with analytics is that the ability to do to do predictive analysis, to look at variables and to decide uh, what's driving your customer base or what's important to your customer base, that's much more uh, accessible now, something that's affordable to do, even if you're a smaller company or a startup. And for startups, you know, they already have the deck stacked against them. Nine out of ten startups uh, fail. So really they need to do everything they can to improve their odds. And so I think that being able to kind of look over the horizon, if you've got a a new product or service, and anticipate where the demand will be, you know, how best to reach those people, what are the messages that are important to them, I, I think that's something that's really essential to do. And now with with these tools that are, are easier to use than ever and, and more affordable to use, uh, that's something that's within reach for them if they will, if they will make the time and, and commit the effort to do that, which they should. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Steve. In- interesting insights, yes, and we're glad to have a quote from I- Isaac Asimov. People quote him from time to time and always interesting. Did you know that he was so prolific as a writer and editor, Steve? I, I, not to the extent that you quoted. I did know he was a very um, popular science fiction writer and that he also had a strong presence on the, in the hard science side of things. Uh, but uh, it's it's really as a writer myself, it's amazing to me that he was able to produce that uh, amount of material. Uh, I wish I could be that productive. And, and you know something, Steve? If we look at Twitter, I read mean, on a good day I could tweet a hundred times if I have a couple of live radio shows for Game Changers Radio. So I'm thinking I'm thinking that uh, we could say. 
some of us have tweeted 10,000 times or 20,000 times. You look at uh, Lorraine and, and Tara Mead, I'm going to introduce you in a minute, Steve. You look at somebody's Twitter account, and I'm not going to do anything political here, kids, so don't even think about going there. And some people have millions and millions of followers, and these people have tweeted 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 times, but it's 140 characters. Asimov had wrote or edited more than 90,000 letters and postcards, and I'm sure they were more than 140 characters. Wow, Steve, he certainly was prolific. And Steve, again, welcome back, and thanks for the great quote. And now we don't want to leave her hanging out in the cold there. She's somewhere in the U.K. I assume it's uh, mid-evening there. Tara Mead, Director of Partner in SME Marketing at SAP. Tara has sent me a quote from, I'm going to pronounce it, Soren Kierkegaard, but when I went on Wikipedia to look up Kierkegaard, by the way, he lived from 1813 to 1855, died very young, Danish philosopher, theologian, poet, social critic, that meant something different than it does today, and religious author who is widely considered to be the first existentialist philosopher, interesting. And uh, when I, I pushed the, the button that said, click to hear the proper pronunciation, the way they pronounced Kierkegaard was something like, Kierkegaard. I, 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 I was like, Ugh. And I, cu I couldn't make anything out of it, so I'm just saying Soren Kierkegaard. But here is the quote. I wasn't making fun. I'm just saying that it was such a an eclectic pronunciation, so deep into the language that I, I couldn't make anything out of it. So for our sake, it's Soren Kierkegaard. So the quote is, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Tara Mead, happy, happy anniversary. Happy, happy <laughs> New Year to you. It's your anniversary of coming back on the show. How have you been, Tara? I have been very well, Bonnie. It's an absolute pleasure to be back with you today. Thanks so much for the invite. Lovely oh, delighted. Just again. tell us, where are you, by the way? You're somewhere in the U.K. It must be dark there by now. It where are is. you calling from? It's about a quarter past seven in the evening, and um, it, I am just outside Oxford City, the beautiful um, historic and educational um, hub of the U.K., and uh, we've just had our major snowfall um, of the year, which is probably about... Um, less than an inch, and it has delighted every <laughs> child within 100 miles of where I live at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny, less than an inch. I used to live in Eugene, Oregon on the West Coast, and we got snow once every seven years. A half an inch of snow completely paralyzed the whole community. People couldn't drive. The schools couldn't <laughs> open. The stores couldn't open. I come from New York. You're kidding. We used to have 14 to 18 inch snowfalls when I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts years ago, and five inches, 10 inches. Oh, it's snowing. Big deal. <laughs> Very interesting you said that. So, Tara, let's talk about Kierkegaard's quote, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Tell us how this applies to our topic, SMEs and cloud analytics. I'm sure a lot of people, and, and um, until I really looked it up myself for the, for the radio show today, I, I didn't know who actually had, had penned it. But I think we've all heard um, versions of this quote um, or seen it on posters and in, you know, in, in kind of stores over the last, well, I certainly have over the last uh, 20, 30 years. And what, what um, drew me to this quote in relation to our topic today is that obviously, you know, for SMEs, um, they have a... They live in a, you know, a very busy time where they probably have a lot less people, obviously, doing um, activities than their, you know, uh, people in larger enterprises. So their environment is constantly changing. You know, their customer base might be constantly changing. So having analytics and, and, um, and data and access to that information and some help in, in, in figuring out what that information and that data means to them will really help them understand what has happened 
so they can then, you know, move forward with what they are, what they are trying to do. So they obviously have to keep going forward, but, you know, what the analytics and um, the support that is now available through so many of the new applications available, especially on the cloud today, it will help them to be able to understand what has happened so they can then make the right steps um, to make sure that their businesses continue to flourish. So that's why the, the, yeah, the, the quote uh, appealed to me in that way. Very eloquent. So you need to have a clear rear view mirror as well as a clear windshield going ahead. And if it's a cloudy day, it could be a good thing because of cloud analytics. Hope I didn't mash that one up too badly. But no, I, I think, think I can... absolutely. And and very similar to a quote that my uh, my mum used to say to me um, when I was growing up: "It's I've been your age, but you've never been mine." So oh, is it not lo- something? Isn't that a good one? So, yeah, I mean, kind of almost similar to the topic today as well, right? So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I have to give that to my mom. She's about uh, two and a half weeks away from turning 100. I'm going to let oh, her quote that wow. at her birthday party. That I know. Lesson, that's great. Congratulations I, to her. Thank that's fantastic. You must send yeah. a note to our queen, even though I, she's not based <laughs> in the UK. I'm sure she would get a letter from the queen if you get that sort of that. That is a wonderful achievement. Fantastic. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if the new president here is going to send a letter. Somebody, I would have loved he a letter from Michelle. Said perhaps, yeah. <laughs> I would have loved a letter. <laughs> That's fine. I would love to uh, have loved a letter from Michelle Obama and Barack. That oh, would have been a real, real and treat. But I don't want to wear my politics on my sleeve. Mar- so marvelous, here we. Marvelous <laughs> yes. So here we are, Lorraine Maurice. This is a part of the show called What's in Your Cup today. I know we're having a good chat, so we'd like to know a little bit about you. And we already know some of the drinks you were drinking because you were on the series many times last year as the sponsor. You're certainly welcome to be on every single panel. We love hearing from you. So let's talk about what were you drinking on at the holiday and or New Year's Eve that you'd like to share with us. What's in your cup, Lorraine Maurice? Well, <laughs> my, my, my cup, if everybody, anybody's listened in last year to me, and they know my cup is usually filled after hours with some sort of adult beverage. Um, over the holidays, I um, became fascinated with a drink called the Moscow Mule. And the Moscow Mule is made with, uh, and the one I prefer is made with uh, ginger beer, which is a, a, kind of like a root beer, but it's made with ginger and vodka and then uh, another uh, Sprite or, or something else to go with it. However, I had found a cranberry mule, which is made with cranberry vodka and cranberries, and it is amazing. So served in a copper mug to keep it cold, and I'm now fascinated with this drink. Well, I have to tell you, there's a website called The Girl in the Little Red Kitchen, and she's got a recipe from December 1st, 2014, called the Cranberry Moscow Mule. There you go, Lorraine. If you go to there that website, <laughs> girlinthelittleredkitchen.com 2014, just put in Cranberry Moscow Mule, and you'll see a fabulous picture. You can even pin it. She's got a frosted, uh, like a, um, a a stick across the top with a little red uh, little red button on it, and four frosted cranberries, I assume with sugar, sitting over the top of a frosty glass. Oh, that looks pretty. So let's go to Steve Knapp. Anything interesting that you were drinking over the holiday, Steve? And where are you today? Well, Bonnie, I, I, I did have some uh, champagne on New Year's, which I guess is pretty predictable. But uh, I, I, I'm not a big drinker, but I have been curious about a cocktail that I'm, I'm going to try here soon. And that's a Sazerac. And and that's made with uh, 
cognac or, or rye whiskey and absinthe, and uh, also some some juice and ice. And uh, so it's my wife is originally from New Orleans, and it's a New Orleans drink. So we've been you know, it's it's something that's just kind of come up recently, and now we're, we just have to find all all our ingredients and um, give it a try. It's always uh, interesting to experiment, I guess, with new drinks, even if you're mostly uh, a non-drinker like we are. There you go. Well, there's a recipe for the Sazerac, S-A-Z-E-R-A-C. You'll need rye whiskey, absinthe, and a couple of other ingredients by David Wondrick on Esquire.com under Food Recipes. And they use a sugar cube, two and a half ounces of rye, two dashes of Peychaud's bitters, a dash of Angostura bitters, absinthe, lemon peel, and an old-fashioned glass. Does that sound familiar, Steve? It does. It does. Okay, there you go. The Esquire Guide to Whiskey. That's where you're going to find that one if you want to pass that along to anyone. No, kids, I'm not tweeting what you're drinking. This is just among us. Nobody's listening. And Tara Mead, <laughs> what were you drinking to celebrate uh, before the snowfall? What were you drinking over the holidays, Tara? Well, we um, we had the opportunity, Bonnie, to go to Austria to um, do some skiing. And um, there wasn't a lot of snow, but there was um, a lot of a great drink called uh, Lump Umpa, which my husband was uh, calling the Umpa Lumpa, which is basically a delicious hot chocolate with rum and um, uh, whipped cream. So it certainly is a massive incentive to get down the mountain so you can have one of those. I have it here. Is this the Lumumba? L-U-M-U-M-B-A? Okay, yes. it's on Wikipedia. A Lumumba is a long drink named after Congolese politician Patrice Lumumba. Interesting, the drink consists of cocoa, sometimes accompanied by cream and a shot. I'm about to open up Wikipedia here. Uh, cream uh, and a shot of rum. Some alternatives replace the rum with amaretto or brandy. Depending on whether the hot cocoa or cocoa is hot or cold, the result is a hot lumumba or a cold lumumba. Well, thank you, all three of you. That was one of the most interesting what's in your cup that we've had in a long time. Don't tell my other panelists, but this really rocked. I, of course, am only drinking water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw today because I'm here on Long Island, New York, on the North Shore. The snow has 99.9% melted from last weekend. Yay, but we're getting more. And they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. This is a doubleheader day. We are starting our big season. For our listeners out there, if you're a fan of or want to become a fan of Game Changers Radio, we have 14 different theme series this year. Nine, like this one, Think Big, Work Small, are returning series from previous seasons, previous years, but we're debuting five new shows. One's on utilities of the future, one on manufacturing, one on designing the future, one on, uh, let's see, partners for digital transformation and uh, smart cities. We debuted that this week, so we've got a lot of exciting game-changing thought leadership for you. I'm going to give Lorraine and Steve and Tara about 90 seconds to wet their whistle with whatever they're drinking today. I'm going to take a sip of my cool, clear water, and Lorraine and I are going to noodle and take a look at what she sent me in her talk leader, thought leadership talking points for this roundtable. We're going to start in about 90 seconds. Lorraine, I think we're going to talk about gone are the days when businesses were driven by entrepreneurial intuition. I like that one. So, to our audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill by now. Michael out.
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. Here we are talking about our topic of the day, kicking off Season 2, Time for Cloud Analytics, affordable, easy, great option for SMEs at small to mid-sized enterprises or businesses that are not huge behemoths. Anybody else falls in this category. Lorraine Maurice is going to start us off on the roundtable with something very provocative, I think. I read it just before the break, and let me reiterate it. Gone are the days when businesses were driven by entrepreneurial intuition. Now, data drives the simplest to the most complex decisions, big data in particular. Lorraine, how does this all relate to SMEs? Why now suddenly? Is it suddenly? They're affordable, they're doable, they're deployable, they're they're scalable. So let's dive into our topic. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, you know, I think that technology is sometimes scary to the small and medium business. You know, they don't have um, IT departments, and they don't have somebody sitting there that when the network goes down, you get it popped right up. So the inclusion of new applications is sometimes uh, that you put your hand out and go, wait, let, let me think about this. The other thing that I think about is that, you know, most small businesses are started because somebody has a skill set that they can capitalize on, and they see a need in the marketplace. So, you know, there's a song that Tina Turner said that says, what's love got to do with it? And I'm going to mm-hmm. turn it around and say, what's intuition got to do with it? And basically, um, you know, data is, is around us all the time. It, it started years ago. You, you know, how many hamburgers did you make? Even in your home life, how many hamburgers do you make at the barbecue? How many bottles of champagne do you have for the holidays? But from a business perspective, especially a small business perspective, it is important to be competitive, um, to be uh, economically efficient, um, to manage your growth, that you understand the numbers in your environment. And with the technologies available today, anything as uh, simple as, you know, um, Google Analytics, um, the results you get from using your, you know, accounting softwares, uh, that all becomes important to where your business is going. 
And the other opportunity that we see for big business in terms of business, uh, you know, the business cloud aspect of it is that the cost has gone down. It's mm-hmm. not like you have to have an IT person on staff. It's not like you have to have an investment in a lot of uh, equipment. It is very cost-effective. There are many different, and, and we know we don't talk about solutions, but, you know, there's people from the big players other than SAP, you know, IBM, there's Cisco, there's Microsoft, there's Intuit, um, and, there, and on and on, all offering specialized um solutions and tools to specifically design for small businesses to help them understand the data that they have and how to use it. So interestingly enough, if I can add to that, is that you may be sitting there as a business thinking, well, you know, I don't have enough data. And I will tell you that even the smallest business, one that's been only in business for a year, has data that they can analyze. Um, and, you know, when you're looking at the analyzation of the data, it really is about understanding patterns. The same, like, again, I'll go back to the analogy of how many hamburgers, how many bottles of champagne. The, the, this, uh, it, it provides you with a pattern on when and how to invest in your business. So I was reading an article lately, um, recently um, by, um, in the Business Standard, um, and it was, the article was run in Forbes. And it talked about, you know, big data for small business. And another point that was made that I found fascinating was that big data truly should be for small business. Besides the mm-hmm. cost factor, a small business has the advantage of being agile and the ability to create, you know, an insight and then with speed and uh, agility do something with it. So let me tie this back into a bow because I've covered several different topics in here. I've covered mm-hmm. the economics of it. I've covered the fact that there's many different applications available. Uh, and I've talked about, you know, the business decision-making opportunity. But we started with intuition. And intuition still plays a, a key point. But intuition now has become uh, a little bit different. A low gut is still things that we all work on and we usually go from. Now it is joined and there's a collaboration between what you know and what your data is telling you. So it becomes a combination of the two, a collaboration of the two, but um, it definitely they go together. Um, it, it's not one, it's not the other. It really is uh, the business executive understanding um, what their gut is telling them and what the data is telling them and then when and how to make the decision. Thank you, Lorraine. So well put. You did cover a lot in there. And I'm going to ask Steve Knapp and then Tara Mead to comment. But, Steve, I'm going to preempt you here with a quote from the notes you sent me, exactly your interpretation, exactly of what Lorraine said. She said, analytics is not about ignoring your gut. She calls it intuition. It's about determining if your gut and the data agree. So, Steve, why don't you comment on that plus what Lorraine started, please? Okay, Bonnie. I, I think that um, it, what, everything that Lorraine said was, was uh, absolutely true and, and good points. That, and what I've noticed uh, since I work with uh, a lot of technology and industrial companies, and they range in size from being uh, startups to, to enterprise organizations, uh, is that... Uh, is that data plays a key role in the decision-making of successful companies. 
and that uh, the companies that are um, maybe struggling a bit more are typically the ones that aren't really taking advantage of the um, of the opportunity that analytics provides that uh, that ability to uh, to capture information and to look at it uh, to test assumptions based on your data to uh, see if uh, if you're putting your resources and your capabilities in the right places because uh, most organizations nowadays are pretty lean uh, staff wise mm-hmm. so they they have to be careful about where they put those people and what they have have them doing and i it, it seems like it's much um, it's it's much more likely to have good outcomes for them if they kind of understand what the drivers are say for their marketplace and their customer base, and that they can kind of monitor that over, over time. They can, they can test assumptions and then make, uh, make course corrections while, they're still, while they still have the opportunity to, to be successful. And so that's uh, – but I think, too, that when, uh, when we talk about analytics, it's important to stress that uh, if you're if you're looking at your data, you need to understand what your what your results say in your in your analysis actually mean, or maybe how strong is that say that correlation, or how strong is that prediction? Because uh, it's it's a tool, but it's a tool that has to be interpreted and interpreted kind of in context so that. You're just not making decisions that aren't fully informed. Uh, but if you can, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Ray. I need to jump in. I apologize for cutting off, Steve. But to jump in, I think you know that Steve is spot on. I mean, information is a strategic asset, and what cloud technologies and also in in the mobile area as well allows you to do is bring analytics together with the operational applications that you have already in your business. Again, whether it's your accounting software, your you know, um, your payroll software, and it allows you to demonstrate an ROI. In any small business, it really is about profitability uh, and what you deliver. And so cloud analytics tends to bring better analytics only because it gives a small business the ability to tie in their their operational applications to the business applications and then have them very quickly and efficiently. And it brings that information that Steve was referencing to real life. Thank you, Lorraine. And thank you, Steve. I want to give Tara Mead a chance to drop in on this one. Tara, a lot has been shared on this topic so far. What do you, what would you like to add? No, absolutely. And I'm, you know, and I think, um, you know, obviously totally agree with everything that Steve and Lorraine have already said. Um, but I also think uh, small and medium business owners need to take a minute and sort of review exactly what they really want to focus on. That obviously there is so much available to them that they could just be overwhelmed and overcome by the amount of analysis and data that is available to them, that they really should 
try and pick what are the, the meaningful data points for their business that they really need to measure and kind of start small with those and then be able to turn them into meaningful activities that they will be able to then uh, make significant changes if required to their to their business practices. And then once they get used to having that kind of information, then be able to bring in some more because obviously... You know, as I think the point Lorraine was making is that they don't have that the the amount of staff, and they need mm-hmm. to be able to make sure that the the information they they get they are able to actually interpret, analyze, and be able to then go and uh, make those changes. Thank you, Tara. I'm going to jump ahead to a topic here in Steve Knapp's list. I think we're ready to do a deep dive into the topic specifically of analytics. We think we've gotten past the fact that, as Steve, your notes say, the market is unforgiving. Business survival is very challenging for startups. The market isn't much kinder to established companies. But, Steve, I'm jumping ahead to something that's going to be specifically about analytics. You say it is important to remember that interpreting analytics can be tricky. Let me read a little more. You say the cloud makes powerful analytics increasingly affordable and easy to use. We've already talked about that. Like any powerful tool, analytics work best when they are used wisely. You sent me a bunch of questions. What is my goal? Do I have enough data? Am I picking the right KPIs or just the ones that the CEO is passionate about where his bottom line is? Are the correlations meaningful? Am I asking the right questions in the right way? Are we analyzing the most meaningful data points? All great. Steve, I'd like you to flesh out this, this outline you sent me because this is where I think people need to be. They may be already convinced in our audience that SMEs can't afford and can use them, but once you get them, what do you do with them? So, Steve Knapp, why don't you take us into the world of using analytics the right way, interpreting them. Steve? Well, I, I think uh, what, the, what the question suggests is that it's important to do your homework before you start doing your analysis to to look at what particular drivers are important to your business. So say, what is my goal? It, it may be that your goal is to enter a new market, and so perhaps what you need to then do is focus your, your analysis on what are the things that are most important to the prospects that are in that market. And... I know for, you know, if we've talked about for small to medium-sized uh, enterprises, that can, you know, doing that kind of uh, pre-planning and pre-analysis thinking can be, uh, can be something that maybe they, they don't have time for. But in that case, that's probably a good, op- a good place to consider using someone who is a, an analytics consultant or a specialist, someone who can quickly, you know, talk to you, look at your market, kind of look at your, 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 your plan for business and help you determine the best way to use the tools that you have available to you. So that's kind of what I was suggesting there, that uh, it's, there, as uh, Lorraine said earlier, you know, there's a lot of data out there. The data can be overwhelming. So you have to find a way to kind of make some sense of that to develop a, a game plan strategy that will make that effort manageable for you and produce some meaningful results. 
Thank you, Steve. I'd like to ask Tara to chime in on this one. Tara, thoughts on uh, what do you think of the outline, the list of questions Steve brought up, and anything you want to add to that? I Again, Bonnie, agree with Steve. I mean, I think, you know, what he's saying is absolutely crucial, that, you know, the business owners, you know, really need to, to hone in, as he said, on what, you know, because obviously the, the tools are there to get as much information as they can, but getting a lot of information might not necessarily be what they, they, they require, that they need to, as you say, pick out those, those meaningful points, be able to interpret them, make the changes that those, that data gives them, and then be able to bring in some more, some more data and then, and can continue. So a really case of starting small and then increasing the, uh, the complexity perhaps and the number of data points and the areas that they are looking at as they, as they, um, interpret the data and actually get get used to having that level of analysis that they probably hadn't haven't hadn't had in the the past and probably a lot of the the increase in analysis would probably be due to maybe increase in business so they you know they're obviously focused on other areas as well so the having and getting access that, to that analysis needs to be you know very simple easy to update and change because obviously things might change in their market so it needs to be adaptable easy to use by people as we were saying that probably are not data analysts and be able to be um, be found used and implemented quite um, quite uh, efficiently and uh, and simply so they can actually then act on that data in a timely manner. Thank yeah, you, so Tara. I agree and disagree yep. with Tara and Steve. And here's the reason is that I do think that you don't want to rush in, into anything, but I think the agility of a small business allows you to, to, to choose and to try things um, at, at different levels of opportunity. And there are simple things um, that you can even go big on, right, is like what investment do you make in your Google Analytics? Is, you know, is Google and, search, you know, SEO, you know, which we've had other conversations on, search engine optimization, even a valuable option for your business? And that goes back to whether you're looking for net new customers and you're looking to grow your business. Or do you need a kind of, and I'm putting it into Simple terms for a business is your is your business about retention and retention of customers, and that you're noticing in your analytics that customers that haven't had a sales call in four months are, are leaving your business, and that's you know obviously showing a decline in your revenue. And we all know it's less expensive to keep customers than it is to find new ones. So I think that small businesses, um, because they are you know, agile and flexible um, can use analytics in a very cost-effective manner to, to look at various aspects um, within their business to make things happen, um, whether it's looking at, you know, their customer strategy, whether it's defining their industry that they're looking at. And there's so many other analytic tools that can overlay um, their analytics to make a stronger decision. Uh, that I, I think it's great. So although analytics can be, tre- be tricky, I do agree with them that they need to be clear on the outcome. But what I would like to see small businesses do is be more assertive in using analytics to, to make some decisions to impact their business goals. 
Lorraine, thank you. I was going to come around the table to you and you jumped in at exactly Sorry. the right moment. <laughs> you, no, you've done so many of these. You know when I'm ready for you, my dear. So my question to you is I love the example you just gave uh, is, your, is your, your concern about customer retention, about the frequency or velocity or regularity of sales calls. Can you give us another example or two before we move on? Love to hear a little more from you. Sure. Um, you know, marketing automation is a huge topic, and I bring that up in terms of, like, customer touch, because you have to understand when it's appropriate to touch your customers and when it's appropriate not, because you can overwhelm a customer. So I think from an analytics standpoint, it is important to understand your business, how your customers buy, and when, and when to speak with them. In a retention situation, it really is all about customer service, and it really is all about the relationship. And so building a relationship requires um, a very value-oriented touch points. It, it, you know, uh, you know, you know, saying happy birthday, um, saying happy holidays, you know, simple things like that that are personable, but also then including different business aspects, you know, knowing when their calendar year ends, right, and their budget cycle. Those are all of things that go into your analytics. Um, you know, there's a, a, a software product that may be too big, I'm not sure, so don't quote me on this one, called Salesforce that, that helps you even look and manage about, like, what, what your customer buying cycles are. And, you know, SAP and other companies offer them as well. But that's where analytics comes into play with customer retention, is knowing when to touch, when not to touch, what message to send, what value message to send. Does that make sense, Bonnie? Absolutely agree. And yeah. kind of following on from that point is Please, in Sarah, yes. relation to um, really, and you haven't said the words, but I think you're kind of saying, right, is, is, is a small business really understanding their value proposition to their, their customer base, that they really need to understand that before they can start figuring out what they're going to, um, to analyze, right? Because if they don't, if they don't know why their customer buys from them or if they don't know what their USP is, um, in relation to their um, their competitors in in whatever market they are in, it's going to be very difficult for them to to um, to create any level of, of of noise in their in their marketing and their sales activities. So constantly reaffirming that their value proposition is one that resonates with their existing and potential customer base is going to be one of the key things that they should be measuring as they um, as they move forward. Right. Thank you, Tara. I'm glad you jumped in on that one because I was just about to come down to you and your talking points here. But uh, some really good examples about value proposition. This goes back, I think, to Steve's questions about what is your goal? Do you have the right data? Are you picking the right KPIs? Steve, you want to chime in on this one? Any other thoughts on, on specific applications? So we're talking about SMEs here. I think uh, what we've what we've been talking about quite a bit here is that is relationships and that with with analytics you get these insights into your your customers and your prospects and what those insights do often is help you to turn those kind of those uh, those anonymous people out there who you're trying to sell to or trying to keep uh, in your customer base into individuals or individual entities at least and so you're better able to understand them, you can uh, you can know what they care about by looking at the data. You can know 
perhaps what they don't care about by looking at the data, and that gives you an opportunity to kind of shift around your resources to put them in more productive places. So I, I think we've all been talking about that uh, during this program, is that, uh, yeah, that what, the, what the data does for you, what the analytics do for you, is they give you this ability to have a better understanding of who it is it's, that's out in your marketplace that you're interacting with in these, through these various channels of, uh, through marketing and sales. Very interesting. Uh, I was looking up value proposition just a second ago just to see if I came up with anything on Twitter. If there was a hashtag, and I found an article in Entrepreneur Magazine. Let's see, it was just posted, uh, oh, January 19, 2015. So it's, uh, all right, it's two years old. And the title is How to Develop and Evaluate Your Startup's Value Proposition. Lorraine, you think that could be something of interest to people? Should I post the link? Not only of interest, but crucial. Mm. Um, one of the things that, that we do is, uh, as part of our responsibilities, is we consult on a marketing level to our partners, which are all small businesses, the majority of them are. And the first place we start before we put a marketing or business plan together with them is to, to sit down and work on their value proposition. What is it that they offer to their customer that is unique and different? If they're selling, I go back to my hamburgers, if they're selling hamburgers, why are they different and what value do they bring? It is the number one place that all businesses should identify. Um, so I think it's of great value. Good. I just tweeted it. The question is, SMEs, what is your value proposition to your customers? I'm going to not put a – I bet there's a hashtag. I'll leave you the hashtag. And the article is from entrepreneur.com, article 241920. If anybody is looking for the link, either Google it or go to hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O, where I am just posting it now. Lorraine, I'm using your handle, so you will see it. And if you want to retweet it, you never know what you're going to find when you use Google real fast during a radio show. We are just <laughs> about at our prediction segment. Tara, I looked at your notes here, and I think we covered just about everything, uh, the volumes of data and the fact that data analytics are evolving and the fact that, well, one thing you said here, the word big makes big data analytics sound like an exclusive club for large corporates. Until recently, that was true. And of course, we've talked about the evolution of cloud analytics where SMEs can use the same tools as their competitors. So Tara, uh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to let you be first on the predictions round. How's that, Tara? We have seven minutes left to the show. So, Tara Mead, I'm going to honor you with the first opening here. I can give you a full 90 seconds. What's going to be happening with the further evolution of cloud analytics for SMEs? Let's talk about 2020 or any future time after that. Tara Mead, predictions. We're ready. Please tell us. Thank you. And, you know, it's, it's funny, Bonnie, isn't it? Because 2020, a few years ago, seemed so far away, but, know. you know, now it's, it's, you know, three Christmases. It's, 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 it's really scary. What, uh, my prediction will, will, will be that I think analytics will become more integrated in the specific functions and activities and um, uh, things that small, small businesses do. I don't see them as, I don't see it as being a separate entity for much longer. I think that, you know, it, the the world and and SMEs have have involved so much over the last few years that you know 
uh, companies like ours and others that are to support them need to make sure that all of the elements that we give them are a totally integrated package. So I would see a lot of the, um, you know, maybe the HR elements and, and, and sales elements would, would actually have analytics um, as, as basically a, a, a tick um, in, the, uh, in the functionality so that anything that you give a small business would, would actually have that um, embedded in it so that people would just assume that this would be something that would be coming down the line. And I think that would be something that would be of real value to the, to the SME marketplace. What do you think? Thank you, Tara. My question to you is, do you think that we will stop using the term big data? You said it sounds like it's big and clunky and it's uh, you're a member of a certain club, an exclusive club for big behemoth companies, I like to call them, the, the, the ones that are really dominating their industries. Do you think uh, we'll stop using the word big and just go back to data? I think we probably will because, you know, as you know, you know, the, the, the massive increase in, in, um, small to medium businesses and their, their power and net worth around the world is growing more and more and more that, you know, there really will, the, the, the lines will be blurring, you know, that, um, their level of importance, um, will be, will be getting higher and higher. So yeah, I don't think, uh, big is going to be big with a big B for too much longer. Thank you very much, Tara Mead and Lorraine Maurice. You're next around the table. What do you see, Lorraine, coming down the pike 2020 or after for SMEs and analytics in general, cloud analytics? What do you see? So I hate, uh, I was going to say, Tara stole the part of my comment because I also agree with her that um, analytics will become more integrated into other technologies that small businesses are going to use because I don't think analytics will go away. The word big may go away, but I think the word big was created to get people to pay attention to it because it is a, a must-have for all size businesses and especially small businesses. And what I think that small businesses need to recognize an important takeaway is that data is only going to get to get only going to get bigger, whether we call it big data or not. It's going to continue to grow, and companies that ignore their data and ignore using their data as part of their business planning are going to be getting getting left behind. And that understanding the technologies and applications available to them that are offered in the cloud and that are cost-effective um, are, are going to be um, must-have business um, business tools. And and if it's not if it's not in your business now, it needs to be. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Steve Knapp, I saved a full 90 seconds for you, too. So what do you see in the crystal ball at Knapp Communications for small businesses? Well, for small business, businesses and probably every other kind of business, I think what we're going to find by 2020 is that artificial intelligence is playing a much bigger role uh, in analytics. It'll be more like you've got your... Uh, your statistics and research expert there on site. It just lives inside of the cloud or in, inside of your desktop. And that that artificial intelligence will be so sophisticated that it will be able to look at your data and call things to your attention and say, you know, here's a relationship you, we should really look at. You know, here's, uh, here's something that, uh, uh, here's something that the data suggests will be a important issue six months from now or a year from now. And that the human element will still be important because the, the AI won't be, uh, won't be able to think like a person or have the intuition or insights of a person. But 
I think the AI is going to make it much easier for for people who are SMEs, people who are solo entrepreneurs even, to use data and to really get some value out of it. Thank you very much, Steve Knapp. By the way, Lorraine, I just found an article on a website called OnRamp, O-N-R.com, and the title was just written... uh, Last year, a year ago, January 27, 2016, I still haven't adjusted to 2017. It's called How Cloud Technology is Changing the Playing Field for Small Businesses. Very interesting. So you can find it at onramp, onr.com. It's a blog by Kirk Wright with a W. I want to thank Lorraine Maurice for bringing me a wonderful panel. As always, Lorraine, always a pleasure to speak with you, and thank you for this great debut to our season. Lorraine, what's coming up in a couple of weeks on this series? Can you give us a quickie, a 30-second preview of what the next topic will be? Um, I think we're going to be talking more about um, marketing and marketing technology and how to use the marketing analytics to make your business uh, run smoother and to, to get some uh, drive your revenues. Wonderful. Great prediction. You're looking into the into the crystal ball with a great knowledge there because you know what's coming up because you picked the topic. So there, Lorraine That's Maurice, right. <laughs> Tara Mead at SAP, Steve Knapp. Pleasure to speak with all of you again. Happy holidays. Shout out to Michael and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us there. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is the end of our broadcast day. Two shows in four hours. Woo! We'll be back next week with five live shows. Count them in the debut of a couple of new series, Designing the Future and Partnerships for Digital Transformation. So here's my call to action you know what it is fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for come on go out and be a game changer today it's a new year do it bye bye thanks again for tuning in to think big work small with game changers presented by sap the best run businesses run sap to keep the conversation going tweet your questions and comments to twitter hashtag sapradio Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.